I'm Jim Brown. I'm your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I've been talking to you about several things that I want you to, I want to zero in. I've been talking about this inner and this outer man. I've been talking about, Paul said, I've got an outer man that serves the law of the flesh. I've got an inner man that is Christ in you. That's the new birth. Only the believer has Christ in them. If you're not a believer, you don't have Christ in you. That new birth has to come about and take place. That is not your choice. That is God's choice. You don't have anything to do with being born again anymore then you've got anything to do with your physical birth. You didn't have anything to do with that, did you? None. And the Bible says that we are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And that the thing, the person that's born again is that inner man. And the outer man, Paul said in Romans, Romans 7, 25 he said with that outer man I serve the law of the flesh and with the inner man I serve the law of God now this is when you're a baby believer law of God that's the new birth right there that has nothing to do with you it is something God births in you and changes your mind and causes you to want to repent and follow that outer man and follow the inner man. The outer man, God will deal with him over years. Over years. After he births you, you have a little faith. Little faith is the word oligos. Pistis, O-L-I-G-O-S, P-I-S-T-I-S. That's what Jesus would say to the apostles. O ye of little faith. Little faith means puny faith. Puny faith. Faith has to grow according to Second Peter 1 and 5. Our faith grows, and when our faith grows, I'll put these concentric circles here again. Your faith grows when your death to self grows. Death to self is, is what the Bible's talking about when the Bible says, we are his workmanship, workmanship, poema. Poema means a tapestry. We are his workmanship. He's working on us as he sends trials, tribulation, persecution. Persecution, he puts us through all kinds of fiery trial. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as a believer. That is not a strange thing. The word strange is X-E-N-O-S. 
It comes from the X E N I Z O. Conizo means an occasional guest. That's a stranger. A stranger. The fiery trial is not an occasional guest. It is a daily requirement that you go through. When life gets tough, it's supposed to be tough. It's not supposed to be easy. Not for any believer. It's supposed to be difficult. And over the years, I lived for myself for year after year after year. And God had to bring me to a place of crushing me under his hand in order for me to be willing to live righteously in God. I was not willing to do that when I was younger. I was serving the outer man. And the outer man, the outer man, I started to say, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Good works. Now some people say, Works have nothing to do with being a believer. They have everything to do with being a believer. This inner man is required to obey God. And it takes God, it might take God 40 years to get your attention. Maybe 50 like he did me. Maybe, and then you begin to bow to God. But we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Good is the word agathos, A-G-A-T-H-O-S. Agathos, ergon. We get our word energy from the word ergon. In fact, it's in ergon, E-N-E-R-G-O-N. That is our word energy. That it's, it's working within. And agathos means beneficial. He is... We are his workmanship, his tapestry. All of these things that's happening into us in our life is God's tapestry in our life, making us and causing us to be to do good works, agathos, which God hath before ordained, pro E T O I M A Z O. Proetoimazo comes from pro, which means, that's our prefix pre, means before. And hetoimas, H-E-T-O-I-M-A-S. Hetoimas means to fit up. Before ordained means to fit up in advance or beforehand that we should walk in these beneficial works of God. Walk in them. That's, that's what God's doing with this inner and this outer man. I've been talking to you about the outer man and where he started. He began at Babylon. Begin at Babylon. Now you got to remember, this outer man is flesh. He serves the law of sin. And it takes God years and years and years to get a hold of every one of us to cause us to quit serving the flesh. Remember, 
I put this on the board so many times. Revelation 17 and 5. The Bible says Babylon is the mother of harlots. That does not mean the mother of prostitutes. Doesn't mean that. Harlot is the word pornea, P-O-R-N-E-I-A. Pornea, we get our word porn from that, but it doesn't just mean to look at naked men and women. It's not what it means. It means idolatry. If Babylon mothered all idolatry, we need to know what idolatry is. E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. That's the Greek word for idolatry. It comes from ido and latruo. Ido means to see and latruo means to serve. It means to serve what you put into your eyes and into your ears. Are we all guilty of idolatry? I love the verse that says covetousness is idolatry. Covetousness, pleonectes, P-L-E-O-N-E-K-T-E-S. That's the word covetous. Covetousness is idolatry. It is serving what you see. Covetous means to want more than you've got simply because you put it in your eyes and your ears. And it means any way you can get it by being devious, by being underhanded, getting what you put into your eyes and your ears and you'll do anything to get it. Has you ever wanted a car that you would see and say, I'll work three jobs to get that? You ever had seen a diamond ring? I'll work all day and all night to get that. That is nothing but the flesh. The flesh is what the body serves. That's what we serve, all of us, don't we? That's what we want. I want what I want. And we will not give up for less than that. The key is, what was Babylon founded on in Genesis 11 and 4? If Babylon mothered it all, she was founded in Genesis 11 and 4. Some people say, Jim, you keep saying that. I can't tell you how Genesis 11 and 4 and Revelation 17 and 5 how it affected my life when I was young. I got real sick in a bed. At one time I was 37 years old and all I could do was lay in bed and look at and read my Bible. And I kept thinking, my father used to say and all of his preacher friends wanted to know uh, where Babylon came from and where did she start? And I said, I think I know where she started over in Genesis. And I began to read in Genesis till I got to Genesis 11 and 4.
And they said, let us build us a city and a tower. Tower is the word migdal, M-I-G-D-O-L. A city was a metropolis, M-E-T-R-A-P-O-L-I-S. Metro is mother, polis is the, is the people, mother of the people. There's two mothers in the Bible. <coughs> there is Jerusalem, the mother of us all, in Genesis and Galatians 4. Jerusalem, that's our mother, and we are heavenly Jerusalem, the church. Jerusalem is the church of the firstborn. And then there is the mother of all idolatry, and that's Babylon. And her doctrine was, they said, let us build us a city, a mother of the people. Now our mother is Jerusalem, the church. And they said, and a tower, a rostrum. And here's our doctrine. This is the doctrine of the outer man. They said, let us. I don't know if that's affected any of y'all like it did me. It scared the life out of me because I had been trying to make myself a big name in the music world. And they said, here is our doctrine. Let us make us a name. Do you know that all the evil in the world goes back to that right there? That's what Revelation 17 and 5 says. Let us make us a name is the doctrine of the fleshly man. The word name is the word Shem. Now Shem was the second born of Noah. He received the blessing of God. God said, Bless, God said, Bless be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan will be the servants of Shem. Canaan was the, was the son of Ham, the youngest. And he said, and God said, Japheth, the elder, will dwell in the tents of Shem. So Shem was the, he was, Shem means authority. He was God's authority upon the earth. And the people are saying, we don't like Shem telling us what to do. Let us make up our own authority. So they begin the sun worship at Babel. And they started this. They had a father. They had a son and a mother of the gods in all of the, in all of the ancient world. And all of it hinged on, let us make up our own doctrine. That's the doctrine of the flesh. That's what it is. Now Babylon has Babylon's going to go down at the end of time. This doctrine of the flesh is not going to last. You say, what do you mean, Jim? Well, the Bible says there's going to be an apostasy, and that's falling away from the truth. Let me see here. Paul said the day of the Lord will not come. Paul was, Paul's reference was to when he says this in 1 Thessalonians. 
1 and 8. He said, the day of the Lord will not come. The day of the Lord will not come. Oh, excuse me, that's not 1 and 8. He says in 1 and 8, Christ is coming back in flaming fire. Flaming fire. Now when you, let me tell you, Jesus is not coming back easy. He's coming back fierce in ferocity. He's coming back in flaming fire taking vengeance on all those that know not God and that obey not the gospel. Now we've already said earlier when I was reading these emails that the gospel is actually the narrow way. That was the beginning of the gospel. That was the beginning of the gospel in Mark 1, 1 through 3. Mark 1, 1 through 3. That the beginning of the gospel, as it was written in the prophets, is prepare you the way. That's the gospel. The way is the narrow way. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And only a few will find this narrow way. Most people are going to hell when they die. That's pretty hard to get a hold of, isn't it? To realize when you walk out in public and you go into a store, most of these people are going to hell. You have to be in the narrow way or you can't go to heaven when you die. And... And the Bible says that the gospel is the narrow way. Narrow is the word thalibo. And thalibo is, it is, uh, it is the verb form of thalipsis, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S, which is the word tribulation. Paul said, if you're going to heaven, you have to go through the tribulation way. You're not going otherwise. How, how hard is that? Is that hard? Without tribulation, you can't go to heaven. Where does tribulation come from? When Paul made that statement in Acts 14.22, he had been stoned and left for dead outside of Lystra. Lystra is right here in the middle of what we call Turkey, right about where my finger is. He was stoned. Now you think, that's not so bad having people throw rocks at you. That's not what they did when they stoned people. They would take a man up on a high precipice and they would maybe 20 feet cliff, throw him off, hoping it breaks his neck or breaks his back. And then they would pick up boulders, 20, 25, 30-pound boulders, and throw them down on him. Paul looked like he'd been in a camel wreck going about 60 miles an hour, running into a brick wall. And then he stood up on his feet and said, We must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. If you're looking for an easy way to go to heaven, it's not there. No way is it there. 
The only way you can get into heaven is by tribulation, just like Paul said. And the Bible says, Jesus is coming back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on everyone that obeys not the gospel. The gospel is the narrow way, according to Mark 1, 1 through 3. And in Luke 3 and 3, the Bible says, John came preaching the baptism of repentance as it was written in the book of Isaiah. And he said, the baptism of repentance. Let me show you something about baptism of repentance. Just the very case that baptism is in shows you that it's not water. Just the case. When you see baptism of repentance and you look up the word of repentance, it's one word in the Greek. One word. Of repentance is genitive case. Genitive case means it is possessive. It means it means that true baptism belongs to a man that is metanoia, M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A. Metanoia is the word repent. It means to be turned and think differently. So, the fact that of repentance is genitive case and it possesses baptism, that means that baptism cannot possibly be water. It comes from the word baptizo and bapto. If you're not washed with the blood of Christ, if you're not dying daily, Somewhere in your life you have to be dying to the flesh. Somewhere. I don't care who you are. Don't care how old you are. How young you are. If you go into heaven, you have to die to the flesh. You've got to die to that outer man. That outer man is not going to heaven when he dies. Now, where was I? So, true the Bible says John came preaching the baptism of repentance which was prepare you the way. Prepare the way is true baptism. Blood baptism was death to self. He's washed from our sins in his own blood and our robes have been made white in the blood of Christ. A blood baptism was a death. You have to die to this flesh. But when you're young, boy, that's not easy. God has got you put you through trials and persecution and tribulation and everything you can think of that gives you a hard time. I love that verse in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. I believe it's the 18th verse. If the righteous scarcely be saved. This is the only way you're saved. Scarcely. Mogus comes from the word molis, which means with great difficulty. This is not an easy thing. 
you have to go through all of this trial and persecution and God will be breaking you along the way. He's broken me. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the man that I was at 50. I'm absolutely not the man I was at 35. This is a different person. My family doesn't know that. They think I'm kind of honoring the way I used to be. I had to grow into being honorary. I was a real gentle kid. This, this is the way I was when I was young. And I had to get into gospel music to learn to cuss and get mad and get rant and rave. And I did that. And boy, this outer man, he had his way with me for a long time. And God had to break me. If he had to break me, how do you think you're going to get by? If he broke Paul, how do you think you're going to get by? All of the apostles died the martyr's death. All of them. You got to become a martyr for God and willing to stand and say the truth. Now, so, Jesus said in 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 2, that the day of the Lord's talking about talking about this Jesus coming back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on all those that know not God and that obey not the gospel. If you don't obey the narrow way, tribulation way, you're not going to heaven when you die. How's that being plain? Huh? You're not going to heaven without a daily cross, without death to self, without self-denial. Took me forever to learn that. I was in my 50s or early 60s before it started registering with me. You're not going to heaven without a daily cross, without dying daily. Paul said, I die daily because I got a daily cross. That's why Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Deny self. If you think that's an invitation, it's not. Deny is the word op, A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I. Oporneomai means to, it comes from oppo. Oppo means a complete. Oppo and orneomai. Arneomai means to contradict. And apo, apo means a complete removal of self, a total contradiction. He said you have to have a total contradiction of yourself somewhere in your life. You're not going to heaven otherwise. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. What is a cross? What does that mean? A cross you had to be condemned to. In the first century, you had to be a slave 
or you had to be, you couldn't be a Roman citizen and die on a cross. You had to be a slave or a criminal to die on a cross. Jesus was condemned as a criminal, and people, when you tell people God does not love everybody, and predestination is true, you're going to be condemned as a criminal as far as these churches are concerned. They're not going to like it. You tell them Christmas is pagan, it's Christ, Mass, it's Roman Catholicism, they're not going to like you for that. Do you know that? And did you know that, Teresa? They won't like it. That's the thing that makes people so hesitant from coming down hard on this outer man. Well, I'll lose my friends. That's right. You'll lose your friends. I'll lose my family. That's right. You'll lose your family. A man's foes will be those of his own household. Then, he says... The day of the Lord will not come except there come a falling away first. I believe we're in the falling away right now. Falling away is the word apo. He's talking about this day when Christ comes back in flaming fire. I believe it has to be close to the door right now. I don't see how we can go another 20 years at the rate this nation is going. I don't see how we can. God's going to, he's going to put a halt on all of this, on these politicians, on these preachers. And he said, the falling away has to come first, apostasis. I believe we were in the apostasis right now. It's our word apostasy, A-P-O-S-T-A-S-Y. It's a construction of apo and stasis. Stasis means to stand upright, stand. And from stasis in the morphemes of words, stasis has got several morphemes in it. Morpheme comes from morphe. It means word shapes. Morph the morpheme of stasis, you would have staros, which would be the word cro cross. It's T-A-U-R-O-S. That's the word cross. This word apostasy means a removal of standing upright, a removal of a daily cross, why do people want to remove a daily cross? The Bible will tell you why in Philippians, the third chapter. The, there were some people at Corinth, he said, and Paul said, I tell you, even weeping over these people at Corinth, that they hate the daily cross because they've got their mind on earthly things. Earthly is the word gay. It means dirt or soil. When your mind is on your car, your house, your stuff, your things, your money, that's dirt. Everything you see, every person you see is made out of dirt. Your car is dirt. Your house is dirt. The bank you go to deposit your 
dirt money in. The bank is dirt. Those are dirt tellers. Everything's dirt. Everything. And men hate this daily cross that the inner man requires because the outer man likes dirt. That's what it says. The Bible says, don't have your affection on things of this earth, but have your, of, of this earth, which is the word gay, but put your mind on heavenly things. At my age, I don't look forward to anything anymore. Nothing. I used to. I don't. I wear a pair of jeans and a sports shirt to teach in. When I walk out of my house every day, I got on tennis shoes and shorts and a shirt that says something on it that I believe. And I think about those things. God does not love everybody. Boy, that gets attention when you walk out in public with that on. That's hard. This the the apostasies here. Apostasis, I believe we're living in the apostasy. I believe it's alive and well and thriving. Now, what's gotta happen? God's got to destroy Babylon. He's got to destroy this outer man. Let us make us a name. Let us make us. That is the flesh that's in opposition to spiritual things, the inner man. That's the flesh. It opposes Christ, the inner man. Now, I want to get into the destruction of Babylon. Babylon has to go down here at the end of time. And it's going to happen, I believe. It could happen in my lifetime. It may not because I'm old. And this, and the world will go down. I believe some of you here will see it happen. I believe the young people here will see this world collapse. I just don't see how we can go much longer. We have, we've never had the problems with our government that we've had now. Back in, the, back in 1950, when, when Harry Truman was president and and Eisenhower was running for president. He was a Republican back then, and Truman was a Democrat. When Eisenhower won the presidency, Truman went over and shook his hand. They all were <coughs> friends. It's not that way now. They want to kill one another. And I just, I believe that what we need to do, we don't have anything to do with this government. We're living inside of it. And if this is the government and this is the church, Paul said, what have I to do to judge those who are outside the church? I don't have anything to do with it. We're supposed to keep all the laws of this land. We're not supposed to speed and get tickets and rob curb markets. We're not supposed to do any of that. Now, what I want to do is show you 
I have been meaning to get into this. Babylon has to fall. I want you to go back over here to Revelation, the 18th chapter. Revelation 18. Babylon was the mother of all harlots, and she was founded on the flesh herself. Now I want to go back to Revelation 18. This is the fall of Babylon. Let me remind you of something. Revelation 18 is the collapse of Babylon. You'll be able to recognize some of the things that's going on in the world today when you look at what's going on in Babylon. When you get into... You, you have to... When you're looking at the book of Revelation, you've got to look at the Old Testament. And the New Testament is the very image. That's what Hebrews 10 and 1 says. The law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image. The very image, the icon, the thing that represents the truth is in the New Testament. The Old Testament was a shadow. Shadow is the word skia. means a shade. The shade is not the real thing. When you go out into the sun at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and you're casting a shadow, that's not the real thing. There's no circulatory system on that. You can't see a, a respiratory system. You can't see any of that. It's just a shadow. The way you understand Revelation is you look at the Old Testament. That's the only way you can understand it. Look here in Revelation 18. Revelation 18. And the Bible says, this is the fall of Babylon. Or should I say, this is the fall of the outer man. This is the collapse of the outer man. There's nothing that God is wanting in this life except Him and our hearts. And He will put us through all kinds of trials and persecution till He burns out most of this outer man. And when you get to be old like me, then all you've got left is a very thin veneer. A thin veneer of this outer man. You can never get away from the outer man as long as you live in the flesh. But when you're young, all you got is that brand new Christ in you and you're a believer and most of what's in you is self. It takes God years to get rid of you and me. It takes Him a long time. I'm here to tell you that he has changed me. I'm not the man that I was at 35 years old. Not even close to it. Or 45 or 50. I want to please God more than anything in the world. 
when you get to where you want to please God, you're not going to care what people think about you. Do you realize that? I keep saying this. If you can get five or six people mad at you over Christmas is pagan, over God doesn't love everybody, and predestination, you'll get about six people mad at you. One more or less won't matter, will it? One more or less is not going to matter. My whole family got mad at me because I'm saying these things. I wouldn't go and be around them. I'm not going to be around them. If they don't want to talk about predestination and Christmas is pagan, I'm not going to be around you. Not because I'm mad at them, because I have nothing in common with them. You know how much I talk about these things? All the time, around the clock. If I get real quiet with a group of people, it's because they're not saying anything that I want to say. I have to, I have to learn to leave the world alone. Now, look here in Revelation 18. This whole chapter is about, look here in verse 1. After these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. Babylon fell over here in the Old Testament. You had all these chapters in the Old Testament. You had Jeremiah 50, 51, this is Babylon falling here. You had Isaiah 13, 14. You had Isaiah, Isaiah 44, 45. All these chapters are the same thing. It's just a different viewpoint of Babylon going down. I'm going to spend more time on Isaiah 44 and 45 than I am these others. In Daniel, Daniel, the fifth chapter, that's when Belshazzar is the last king of Babylon. And he's the last king in Babylon, these other chapters too. And this is where Babylon falls. This is is fallen. But I'm let me, let me keep reminding you, when Babylon falls, this outer man will be no more. That'll be the very end of time. I could go somewhere else, but let me just say this. Do you think this is the only time this says is fallen, is fallen? Look at look at fourteen and eight. Fourteen and eight of Revelation. Fourteen, let's start reading in verse six. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them, the everlasting narrow way, the everlasting blood baptism, which is what it is, 
to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. This time when the Babylon falls, it'll be the second time when the let us make us a name goes down the drain. That great city, because she hath made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. What is her fornication? Going after other gods. That's what the Bible says from one end to the other. It's going after, let us make us a name. Let us make, did you know that all of those sun and tree worships, they had a trinity. You can look at a book by Samuel Angus, and Mr. Angus says that that they had a, in their cemeteries, you could go to an ancient cemetery and it'll have these stones in the cemetery and it'll say, born again for eternity. Born again to go to the heaven of the pagans. They'll have the same thing that we have in Christianity. It's just a false doctrine. It's another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. Now, let's look over here in Isaiah 21. Look in Isaiah. Just hold your place there. Go to Isaiah 21. Babylon has to go down at the end of time. But goodness gracious, can I remind you the four judgments of God are the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. Those are God's judgments that he's going to bring upon a world that doesn't believe him. The sword will be war. You know how many wars are going on in the world? You can look it up just nearly any time on the Internet. There's about 50 wars going on in the world right now. About 50. And then the famine, what comes with famine is pestilence. Pestilence is disease. And in the Old Testament over here, Famine would come with no rain with Elijah. No rain. Elijah. Elijah went before went before Ahab and says, There'll be no rain for three and a half years. That's it. It's over. Goodbye. And he walked out. Can you imagine what America would be like if no rain for three and a half years? There were hundreds of thousands of people dying in Israel because no rain for three and a half years. What went with that is pestilence and disease. We've got the economy goes with this. We've had all of these these economics experts. There's a man who's a professor at Boston University. His name is Kotlikoff. He is a brilliant authority. You can look him up, Kotlikoff. 
K-O-T-L-I-K-O-F. His name is Professor Kotlikoff. He says that we are past the point of no return in our economy. I keep looking. The latest, the latest that I've seen was supposed to be 23 trillion dollars national debt and it could be up to 32 trillion they don't even know how to count that much anymore there are about 50 nations that's on the verge of economic collapse and we are one of them Russia is another one what do you call that you call that the economy don't you and they can't feed everybody. And that's connected with pestilence, disease of all kinds. That includes COVID. That includes all the diseases we've had. That includes the, the uh, smallpox, bubonic plague. They fought over those diseases when they came back centuries ago. What was causing them? The thing is, this is God's disease that's come upon the earth. And it's not going to go away. I expect it to increase more and more and more. And the Bible says there's going to be sword, famine, pestilence, and the beast. The beast is the world ruling system. What if I said new world order? They're talking a new world order. The first time that Bush Sr. mentioned new world order, I went, whoa! They're talking a new world order with one world currency now. This thing has got to come to an end, and the Bible teaches it's coming to an end in this 18th chapter of Revelation. Let's look at a couple of these other places. Look at Isaiah 21. Isaiah 21. Isaiah 21. And I want to show you that this is in here more than once. All right, Isaiah 21 and verse 9. 21 and 9. Isaiah is talking about all through his book. All of Isaiah is talking about the Gentiles. Coming to the light of God. That would be the Gentiles coming to the Horizo, wouldn't it? Horizo is the word. Prohorizo is the word predestinate. The light is the, you have to be inside the horizon to see 
to see the light. You can't be in the dark and see the horizon. So he's going to determine that the Gentiles will come to the light. He says that. Tell you what you do. Take your concordance and make a copy of Gentiles in all of Isaiah over and over and over. He says the Gentiles will come to the light. That is the New Testament church he's prophesying of. Then he says here, 21, and verse 21 and 9. And behold, here cometh a chariot of men with a couple of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. He says that all through the Old Testament. Isaiah 27 and 1. 27 and 1. 27 and 1. And that day, it's talking about the day where God, this is about Leviathan, but Leviathan was said to be the great, the great whales. It was more than the great whales. And that day, the Lord with his sword and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. The dragon in the New Testament is Dracon, D-R-A-K-O-N. It means fascinator. It doesn't mean King George and the dra- the fire-breathing dragon. It means one that fascinates. Now, let's go back over here. Sometimes when I'm going to teach on this, I don't know exactly where to start. Let's keep reading. Verse 2 of Revelation 18. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. That means it's falling twice. It fell once literally in the Old Testament. What is Babylon now? It's an international city of let us make us a name. It is the apostasy that's going on in the world. Make us a name. When you want to know what Babylon was founded on, that's it right there. We want a new name. I want to make myself important and make people look at me and watch me now. In fact, I read it to you right before I quit last week, but one of the best verses on Babylon is in Isaiah 47. Let me give you that. I'm going to read it to you again. This describes Babylon to the hilt. Babylon is an international city of self. It's man wanting himself, wanting his way. You may want your way, but you can't have it. For it's over with. Jesus is coming back in flaming fire, taking vengeance. Everyone that does not obey the narrow way, the gospel. And look over here in Isaiah. This describes Babylon to the T. Isaiah 47. 
This is talking about, let's read the first verse of 47. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. A daughter of someone was a city that was doing the same thing that city was doing. Sit on the ground, there is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans. He's talking to Israel. For thou shalt be no more called tender and delicate. That's what Israel was one time. Take the millstones and grind a mill, uncover thy locks, make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, pass over the rivers, thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance and I will not meet thee as a man. Israel, she has kept going after Baal in the grove, these sun and tree gods. God says, I've had enough of you. As for our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. Sit thou silent and get thee into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans. Jerusalem, that's what they called the daughter because she was worshiping the same gods as they were worshiping in Babylon. For thou shalt no more be called the Lady of Kingdoms. That's what... That's what Israel was called at one time. He said that you've gone after these idol gods, just like America's done. I was wroth with my people. I have polluted mine inheritance and give them them into thine hand. Thou didst show them no mercy upon the ancient. Hast thou verily laid thy yoke? Thou saidest, I shall be a lady forever. He says, no, you won't, Jerusalem. No, you won't. So that thou didst not lay these things to thy heart, neither didst remember the latter end of it. And then he talks just like Babylon talks. Therefore, hear now this, thou that are given to pleasures, the outer man. It always goes back to that that dwellest carelessly, that sayest in thine heart, just like Babylon, you're the daughter of Babylon, I am and none else beside me, I'm the only one that matters. Have you ever said that? you got a Babylonian attitude if you have, and boy have I ever said that. I shall not sit a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. The Bible says this is Babylon that's saying this in the 18th chapter of Revelation. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment, in one day, you'll lose your children, Jerusalem. You'll be carried away into captivity because of 500 years of going after Baal in the grove and Shemash and Molech and all these gods. The loss of children and widowhood, they shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. Babylon, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is called the daughter of Babylon all through these writings. For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness and hast said, 
None seeth me. That's what Israel kept saying. God doth not know. He doth not care. He doesn't know what we're doing. You think not? He that made the seeing eye, doth he not see? He that made the hearing ear, doth he not hear what you're doing? You see, he doesn't know what I'm doing. He knows what every one of us are doing every moment of every day. None seeth me, thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee, and thou hast said in thine heart, I am and none else beside me. I'm the only one that matters. You ever felt that way? Now let's go back over here to Revelation 18. 18 chapters, Babylon going down. She's going to be destroyed. And you'll see all of her goodies throughout this whole chapter. Verse 2, he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of demonion, devils. That's our word, demon. D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. It means to distribute fortunes. That's the outer man that wants the things of the flesh. That's what it is. And the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Birds were said to eat of the mustard seed. They love the mustard seed. But the Bible says when your faith grows, the birds will come and nest in your, in your hair or in your, in your vine and they'll not hurt you. The mustard seed was a very, very delicious delicacy to the birds, but the time will come when your faith grows, they won't be able to bother you. And then he says, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of Babylon's fornication. What is her fornication? Going after other gods. Let us make us a name. Everything is encapsulated in let us make us a name. And then he says, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. The Bible will tell you in Hosea, the second chapter, the Bible will say that the gods that Israel went after was her lovers. It says that time and again, but I remember that specifically that the gods was her lovers and she was committing fornication with the other gods. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. I like that word delicacy. It's, it's, the, it's the word delicious down here in verse 7. Let's read on down to it. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Come out of Babylon, believers. Quit participating with Babylon in all her ways, that you may not partake of her sins. How do you partake of Babylon's sins? Anyone, if anyone comes preaching any of the doctrine, 
Do not bid them Godspeed. Godspeed is the word carol. Godspeed means to be cheerful to them. It comes from the word charis, which is the word grace. And we also get the word Chara, C-H-A-R-A, which means to rejoice. Don't rejoice with these people that preach another doctrine. If anyone comes preaching another doctrine, do not bid them Godspeed. Don't sit down and try to and eat steak with them on Friday night and try to convince them of predestination. Tell them the truth, and if they won't hear it, leave them alone. Get out of there. That's pretty hard, isn't it? You mean I can't run around with my family? No. You mean I can't run around with my longtime friends? No. They're going to affect you. The Bible says if you bid them God's speed, then you're partaker of their evil deeds. That really hit me real hard because there was a time I wouldn't talk to my younger brother. He was on TBN up here. His name is Dean Brown, and and I I woke up one day. I was forty nine years old, and he was forty one, and I said, "He's run with the enemy for twenty five years. If you run with the enemy twenty five years, you are the enemy." And it took it took me till I was forty nine to start calling him down for his sin, and I began to realize he puts his approval on all those people at TBN by being a part of them. So he's partaker of their deeds and he will partake of their judgments. That's what this is saying right here. You cannot partake of people's sin. Then it goes on to say, And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying come out of her my people believers come out of her that you be not partake of her sins by accepting her doctrines you can't be friendly with some I've had people say well I'll pull away from them if they don't believe the truth but I'll keep hanging around them no don't hang around them get away from them let them know where you stand that you receive not of her plagues for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath required, hath remembered her iniquities. What is her iniquity? Making themselves another name, making themselves another doctrine. That's what the preachers are doing. The tongues people, they don't even care that, they don't even care that the word tongue is glossa and dialectos in the Bible, in the original Greek text. Glossa means foreign language. That's let us make us a name. Dialectos, D-I-A-L-E-K-T-O-S. What is let us make us a name? That's what the Pentecostals are doing. Dialectos is the word dialect. They had a different dialect in every city-state. They had a different dialect in Jerusalem as they had up here in Samaria. And they had a different dialect from there as they had over here 
in Babylon, a different dialect from Syria, a different dialect. They had all kinds of dialects here. And that's why they said, how he we ever man in our own dialect when we were born. These people who come up and preach Pentecostalism, or they preach, they preach faith-hating every time. This is let us make us a name. If they leave the Greek text and they go to some goofy thing that they've made up, every time the Bible says, Thy faith has made thee whole, the word whole is sozo, it's the word saved. Faith saves, it doesn't heal. What gets me is, is the most famous faith healers in America have died of a disease. Or Roberts, get this, built one of the biggest hospitals in America and he's supposed to be a faith healer. Why? Why don't you just line everybody up in a line and say, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. He died of a pneumonia. Where did you get that? Off the internet. You can go on the internet to ask me anything. How did Kenneth Hagin die, who started the positive confession movement? He died of a heart attack. All he had to do was confess with his mouth and say it, and he had it right. He's the guy that started all that. Paul Crouch, this is let us make us a name, is what it is. Let's make a different doctor. Paul Crouch, who started TBN, They'll tell you on the internet that he wrestled with congestive heart failure for the last 10 years of his life. Why wrestle with it? Get Benny Hinn to come and pray for him and heal him, right? That's let us make us a name. But the Baptists have done the same thing. The Baptists have come up with sinner's prayer for salvation. This is let us make us a name. They come up with sinner's prayer. And that confused me to no end because my father would get up and give 45-minute invitation hymns in an hour to an hour long, begging people down the aisle to come and accept Christ. I had to grow up. I was frustrated out of my mind as a kid. That's why I hate sinner's prayer for salvation so bad. And I hate accept Christ because those are not true. They're not a method of salvation. When Paul asked the Philippian jailer, Philippian jailer came to Paul in Acts 16 and said, what must I do to be saved? Did you think Paul said, would you like to pray this prayer and meeting with all your heart? Would you like to accept Christ as your personal Savior? No, 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 he didn't say that. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But believe is a verb. It's what you do. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. And my father and all of his friends would talk about you got to walk down the aisle, confess Christ, and pray this prayer. And they would always use Romans ten thirteen for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And they never quoted the next verse. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? You got to believe God before you can pray to him. That's let us make us a name is what it is. The Baptists have made themselves another authority. And I can sit and go through this all day long. 
you're going to receive the same judgment as they receive, you Baptist. There's not a whole lot of difference between Baptists and Pentecostals. They've twisted the Word of God. The Bible says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Their foolishness to, their foolishness to the natural man, neither can he know them their spiritual discern. That word natural, sukikos. This is making yourself a name. P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S. The physical man, the man that's sensual. It's the man of the senses that can smell, hear, taste, see, touch. That man does not receive decomai. Notice how all these things go together. Decomai comes from the word deck. Deck is the word ten in the Greek. A decade is ten years. And decomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. Dead men cannot accept anything spiritual. Anybody who says that, they've made themselves a name. You realize that all the things I teach against is making themselves a name. They just leave the text, just go wild and go somewhere. I don't understand why Baptist and a lot of the other preachers cannot see this word. Can you not see this word? C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S. Put another S on it. Can you not see that? Christmas is Christ Mass. It's Roman Catholicism. What's wrong with you preachers? I'm looking at the camera. Are you out of your minds? They are out of their minds. They're insane. I keep saying insanity. When you look it up in Webster's, it'll tell you the inability to think rational. They like that doctrine they've got, and they've got a crowd. They got a crowd with all these dialects and glossum, but they've changed it to jibber jabber. And they say, "I got I'm speaking in tongues." Stupid. I'm so embarrassed. If you ever come into this church and you want to speak in tongues, don't you dare start. I'll say, stop that right now. That That's blasphemy, making something up that's not true. That's making yourself a name. Now let's keep reading here. In verse 4, it says you'll receive her plagues if you put your approval on her. If you put your approval on the Pentecostals and the Baptists and the Charismatics, you're going to receive it for judgments. For her sins have reached into heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Reward her as she rewarded you, and double unto her double, according to her works, in the cup which she hath filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. That's how they've lived. Deliciously is the word strainos. It means in a strain. 
Do you realize that when you're living in that outer man, that Babylonian man, you're living in a strain? I don't want to go back and be young. I don't want to be 35 anymore. That's too hard. You talk about frustration. That's frustration. It's hard to live. I don't want to go out and look for some young girl and flirt with her down here at some club or some bar. That's hard work. That's, it's, it's insanity. And the world is crazy. I keep telling everybody this. I've told Dave this for years. Dave, they ain't no need in getting mad at the world. They're nuts. All of them are crazy. Have y'all come to the realization that they're crazy if they can't think rational? If you can tell them, for whom he did, for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. They'll say, well, don't mean that. They say, you're crazy. That's the next thing you need to tell them. That you're crazy. You can't think rational. I just quoted it to you. Sometimes I'll quote a verse to somebody and they'll say, well, don't mean that. I say, well, you're nuts. And that's what they are because they can't think rational. They've been brainwashed by some preacher up the street. How much time do I have, Mike? 16. Let me keep on reading here. How much she hath glorified herself and lived in a strain. So much torment and sorrow give her. Y'all realize how hard it is to be young. After you get old, you know how. Isn't it, Judy? It's hard being young. That's what wears your body out. It makes you want to die someday. That's why when you get old, you say, I'm tired of this world. I'm tired of this life. I'm tired of it at 83. I don't want to stay here. The only reason I want to stay here is for you and for the people that are watching us on the Internet. I don't want to stay for any other reason. And she, and it says right after this what she said, what, what Jerusalem said right after, there in the 47th chapter of Isaiah. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen. Then I'm no widow. It says, I shall not suffer the loss of children in the 47th chapter of Isaiah. That was talking about Jerusalem, which was a daughter of Babylon. She was saying the same things that Babylon is saying. And shall be no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day. That means it's going to be a short time. And one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. That's Babylon. In fact, when you look back at Isaiah, I mean Jeremiah, the 50th, the 50th chapter, it talks about when Babylon comes down, she's going to be burned. She'll be a burnt mountain. Look over and look over in Isaiah. Isaiah's talking about, or not Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 50. Jeremiah 50 and verse 29. Call together the archers against Babylon. All ye that bend the bow, destroy Babylon. And the very end of that verse, for she hath been proud against the Lord when she said, let us make us our own shem. 
We don't like Shem telling us what to do. We don't like God's word. And then he says over here in the 51st chapter, verse 25, Behold, I am against the old destroying mountain. Two mountains in the scripture. Babylon, the mother of harlots, and Jerusalem, the mother of us all. He said, I'll make you a burnt mountain. And that's what's happening here in the 18th chapter. He says the same thing in the 8th chapter of, in the 8th chapter of Revelation. When the second trumpet is blown, I was going to get to that, but I'm not going to be able to this this message. In that 8th chapter, the first angel sounded, I don't need to go to that. Go to the second second angel sounding. And the second angel sounded in verse 8, as it were a great mountain burning with fire. God says that'll be Babylon. And in this 18th chapter of Revelation, you're going to see Babylon burning to the ground. That's going to be self. That's going to be the end of time. I believe it's real close to us. I believe we're real close to it. Then he says, verse 8 of chapter 18 of Revelation, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine. She shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her, and the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously in a strain. When you go out to build some big company, you get in a strain. You borrow a lot of money. You go out to be rich. With her and shall bewail her and lament her when they see the smoke of burning Babylon. They see the smoke of the outer man being destroyed. This is the end of time. Standing afar off. Now what he's fixing to do here. Start in chapter 11. He's going to name all the goodies of the first century. And that would equate with us and our goodies. A new Cadillac, a new town car, a a big, nice, fancy Williamsburg home, diamond rings and all this. This was what that would be saying. And the merchants of the earth shall weep. Well, let me read 10. Standing afar off, for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that let us make us a name city. That mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. What he's saying is going to happen, boom, all of a sudden. This nation can collapse overnight. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, For no man buys her merchandise anymore. There's no market anymore. It's all dead. The stock market has gone kaput. And that's where we're headed. This is not going to remedy itself, people. The merchandise of gold, we still like gold and silver. Precious stones, we still like precious stones. And pearls, fine linen took a lot for them to get fine linen they had to weave that and purple 
purple, that's, purple was something that if you had a purple garment and you wore it, you could be arrested. Boom, just like that. Because off the coast, where they got purple garments, off the coast of what we call Lebanon, if this is Israel, and this is Lebanon or Tyre and Sidon, off that coast, there was a mollusk. It was a mollusk, a little shellfish. And it had a little gland that had a drop of purple in it, and that's where they got their purple. They'd have to harvest tens of thousands of those to make one purple garment. If you got caught with a purple garment, you could be arrested immediately because only the rich could wear purple. That's why purple is in here. You remember when Paul met Lydia? And she was... uh, He met her on the creek bank in Acts, the 16th chapter, and she was a seller of purple. She had a super job. She only talked to princes and kings and made a lot of money. She gave it all up because God dealt with her heart. So when it says purple, you've got to know the story behind purple. You can't just... Say purple and forget it. No. Purple and silk and scarlet and thionine wood and all manner vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and brass and iron and marble. This was the best on the market. This was what the merchants were buying and selling. And they were shipping up and down the Euphrates River. The Bible speaks in the 16th chapter of the Euphrates River being dried up. That's amazing because it was the Euphrates, the largest river in the Middle East. And on the Euphrates was built Babylon and they shipped to everywhere in the civilized world on the Euphrates. When it dries up, Everything is going to dry up. All the markets of the world will dry up. And cinnamon and odors and ornaments and frankincense and wine and oil. This is just like you can substitute one of our listeners. Gold and silver and cars and Cadillacs and town cars and Mercedes and put anything in here in our list you want to because this was their list of goods. In the first century, this is what's going. Nobody buys this merchandise anymore because it's dead. Babylon's going down. And flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and the souls of men. Slavery where they bought and sold on the Euphrates River. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after, they're all departed from thee. Babylon's going down. And all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee. And thou shalt find them no more at all. It's all over. 
And the merchants of these things which were made rich by her, by Babylon, shall stand afar off for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon is fallen that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, a very short period of time, she's going bankrupt. So great riches has come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company of ships and sailors, it could say FedEx, or it could say UPS, could say Amazon, and the sailors and as many as trade by sea cried when they saw the smoke of the burning of Babylon going down, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea are all that had these trucks on the road delivering all the goodies. By reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. One hour means a very short time. Babylon will go broke all of a sudden one day. And we are in the head of it. We're the middle of it. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets. For God hath avenged you on her where you are killed by the Babylonian people, including the Pharisees. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea. Babylon, when she goes down, she always goes into the sea as a burning mountain. She's going into the sea here. It looks like in the condition of America, we are going down. We're not going to survive this. Don't think another president is going to get us out of it. He's not. Nobody's going to get us out of this. Not according to the Bible. Thus with violence shall the great city of Babylon be thrown down. Let us make us a name will be destroyed. That outer man will be destroyed. This is the same time factor as Christ coming back in flame and fire. This is the same time factor as the fourth chapter of First Thessalonians, that Jesus is coming back. And we, would, we which are alive and remain shall not go before those that are asleep. We be called together to meet the Lord in the air. That's the time factor of this. This is the end. And you know why preachers don't preach on Revelation? They don't know nothing about it. They don't know how to look at the literalness of all these merchandise here. It's talking about when the merchandise of the world goes to the bottom. It's going to take an international. It's going to take an international debt that can't be met. And that's where we're headed right now. I challenge you, go online and look up look up these financial experts. Who was the who was the uh, the uh, scientist that just died, the crippled guy in the wheelchair? Hawkins. Hawkins. Stephen Hawking said right before he died, he said 
this world can't last another 50 years. He said that. He said, we're, we're at the end of all things. And I believe that I've never seen a world like what we live in. This is not America of 1949 when I was 10 years old. It's not. It's not even close to it. And the voice of harpers and musicians and pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more. No more partying. No more bands. No more rock and roll. No more at all in thee and no craftsmen. Nobody building big fancy homes anymore. Or whatever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of millstones shall be heard no more at all. The millstone was where the two women would be at a millstone. And they had a lava rock on the top. One would be holding the bottom millstone while the other's turning the lava rock, grinding the wheel. There'll be no more of that. It's over. This is the end of Babylon. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. Help us to understand that we're living in the end times during the apostasy. Lord, if ever we're going to do right, let us do right for you now. God will give you praise for everything. You fight our battles. I can't fight anybody anymore. I'm too old, too tired. You fight our battles. And Lord, we'll, I pray for the church that you'll strengthen the flock. Help them realize when we're living, we're living close to the end of the world. And we'll give you praise for everything in Christ's name. Amen.